Hello and welcome back to the Northern Traditions Podcast, previously known as the Folk Podcast. This is episode 102, uh, season two, episode two, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're back and we have a guest today. Uh, so, Elin. Elaine? Mm -hmm. Elin. Elin. Okay. You said it right the first time. Uh, I got scared. Yeah, yeah. You got it. Right. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Though, anytime I get scared, I'm always just like Moose Lady. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can pronounce Moose Lady. It's uh, easier. So you are allowed. Yeah. Use it. Well, good. Uh, so we wanted to get her on the podcast because she is currently working on a degree or finished working on something, right? Uh, I am finished. Uh, yeah, I, I have done the whole thesis part of it. Now I'm just uh, running around in a museum fixing with objects the last couple of months. Well, so the hard bit is over. Okay. Well, do you want to, uh, you know, best just like give it to you, kind of uh, give everyone an introduction to who you are? Uh, okay. Hello. I am Elin uh, Pirso, uh, the more known as the Moose Lady on Instagram. And uh, right now I'm taking a it is called Candidat in Swedish. So I would guess that's uh, equivalent of a bachelor's um, in cultural heritage studies and archaeology in Sweden. And uh, yeah, I like stones a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now, your loving of stones, is that also what makes you like Estonia? Uh, I mean, is it a oh. coincidence? I think not. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, I broke Ian. <laughs> yeah, you broke, you you broke me froze. with puns. Yeah. <laughs> you broke me with a pun and then broke my internet. Yeah, like all of Minnesota <laughs> shut down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, wait. so that's definitely, you know, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because I went down a rabbit hole of uh, Estonian paganism and like uh, history and stuff because it's, it's widely unknown uh, and also I feel like widely unresearched as well. Is that kind of true? Yes. Yes, so actually this is kind of fun because uh, my final thesis was about uh, Estonian cup mark stones, right? And that kind of ties into like, you know, Estonian culture, archaeology, history, religion, and so on, and folklore and so And I found that uh, it is very, very, very unresearched. So my thesis is actually one of the few ones in Swedish to be written about this very subject, if not the first one in this language. Oh, wow. So yeah. what do you mean by like cut stones exactly? Like what, is, what are those exactly? Okay, uh, so cup mark stones, it's like if you imagine a big boulder or a small mm -hmm. boulder or a huge boulder and uh, they have like these tiny cups, oh, like cup. these okay. about this size and they have like small cups. It could be like 15, 10, five uh, and they are on the, usually on the surface, this surface on the rock and uh, yeah, that's, oh, wow. that's okay. that... yeah. You have a picture. There. Very oh, cool. okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and these yeah, ones are uh, are in Scotland, and then of course she's researching them in Estonia. So the fact that you have Estonia, uh, Estonian, and then Scotland cut marks as well, and I actually I saw quite a few here uh, while while traveling around. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, and uh, where I have grown up in Sweden, there is so many cut mark stones everywhere. They are on megalithic. Is grave structures they are by themselves boulders they are by the petroglyphs they they're everywhere around here as well so it's very interesting how the this phenomenon uh, this cultural <laughs> phenomenon is just everywhere well so what what exactly like 
do we know roughly why they did him like did that i guess that's probably what a lot of your, your uh, she, she's looking at she's looking at the notes already we're in trouble boys yeah we asked the hard right, questions well, here just cut off our mics and let her go for about 20 minutes so. <laughs> um no so like um it is believed so th there are two main uh, theories around this mm. um and uh, one theory has to do with Scandinavian death cult. And cult in an archaeology kind of sense is uh, not like a cult, like the modern usage. It is just like cult activity, uh, religious, spiritual mm -hmm. activity. Uh, so uh, one theory is that it is connected to a death cult from, uh, that has come from Scandinavia to Estonia. Um, where people have used these cups to uh, feed the dead ones when they have feasted uh -huh. or so, that they put like food for them so they can join the living um, in feasts and so on. That is one theory. And the other theory is that it has something to do with fertility cults um, because many of these stones in Estonia, they are not placed near graves or grave fields or anything of the sort. They are placed like close to... Uh, meadows, they are close to fields and so on, where people have um, planted crops and so on. So, yeah, that's the main theories of what they've been used for. But some kind of cult activity and, like, you know, religion and so on. Do you subscribe uh -huh. to the main theory or do you have alternative theories? Uh, well, uh, I actually, um, I believe more, I don't buy the death cult thing. Even though it's super cool to say death cult, right? <laughs> death cult. And I am Scandinavian, so one would think that I would really like that one. But I actually buy the fertility cult thing much, much more. Because, um, I mean, I've studied maps. I have read so many texts and so on. And it just makes more sense to me with the location they have in the landscape. And uh, uh, also, uh, there are some, I mean, obviously, they have gone out and... Uh, interviewed people in the past and uh, then they have uh, almost exclusively uh, been sacrificing uh, like crops or meat or milk and like you know fresh stuff mm -hmm. in order to get good uh, harvest and so on so i think it makes more sense uh, the uh the, the fertility um practice that may it makes a lot more sense in the way that like the majority of people that practice the religious, especially up in Scandinavia, and I mean, pagan religion in general, they were ones that, you know, they were farmers. They had to, you know, grow their own food, raise cattle, you know, raise what they could to be able to survive. So, I mean, that was, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what, like what percentage of people that you could really put a number on were, but the, the vast majority, I would say, were just regular old farmers. There wasn't yeah. really grocery stores to go to back then. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone had to be a farmer. <laughs> but y'all no. know what I'm saying. It yeah, makes yeah. more sense for it to be the fertility aspect, especially if they're near the fields and the meadows and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's also like um, I, I came to the conclusion as well that uh, death and fertility, they're not that far apart as one might think. Like they are kind mm -hmm. of different of the same coin, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so they're not each other's opposites either. Like death and life are always a constant in these people's lives. 
Well, have. and the uh, since I'm steeping in myself in, in Celtic belief systems now being in Scotland, um, you know, the the identity of life and death are literally the same point because Celtic's are, uh, belief system is very reincarnation based. Uh, and I believe it's the cauldron that was found in Denmark shows like a procession of living people going into, I think, a cauldron and then literally coming out another life. So showing that that cycle of life uh, so that those two points are, are right next to each other. Yes. Yes, and it's it's very much with these as well, um, very much life and death, not too far apart. And uh, there are also what, what's interesting with the Estonian Copmark stones is that they are still being used. So this is not just an ancient tradition; it is very much alive today as well. Uh, and I've been going around Estonia looking at these stones because I went I went in <laughs> on this thesis. <laughs> Because uh, I got so fascinated. Why I even wrote it in the first place was that I went to the National Museum of Estonia in Tartu. And um, there was this big copmark stone in the beginning of the exhibition there. And I got so intrigued by this stone because it was a part of the contemporary exhibition. So not the ancient part. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't put in like the distant ancient times of the exhibition at all and the, it was filled with coins there was coins all over this stone and I looked into it and it is not the museum that has put these coins there it is actually the visitors and the Estonians visiting and so on and uh, it is they are sacrificing coins on it still today and uh, when I kind of broadened my view and I looked out in the landscape on these stones there's coins everywhere there is food, there is uh, crops, there, I've even seen toys on these things. It is, huh. it is very much alive today. And that really got me hooked, so to say, on the, on the whole subject. This is a total tangent, but this is something I was thinking about the other day, uh, because you see it everywhere, like every country I've ever been to. But the idea of throwing coins into wells or bodies of water for wishes. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost universal around the world, it seems. And I wonder if this is because of this commonality of, of leaving offerings. Uh, I mean, literally, a wish is essentially a prayer, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, people, I guess, are basically making offerings by that without even realizing it when they, yeah, toss a coin in a well or to their witcher. I is in my head. As soon as I said it, I thought about like just finishing it, but I was just like, no, no, no. I mean, uh, I already have video of you singing uh, Witcher song, so if you want to go ahead and oh, just, hey. uh, just sing it for us, uh, now we're good. Toss we're good. a coin to you. <laughs> oh, we can do a cappella. Oh yeah! Oh my go. goodness! No, no, we're good. No. Yeah, I'm not here to sing about The Witcher. Yeah, oh, well, well, <laughs> not today. <laughs> I got to pay extra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. it's on Ian's OnlyFans. Oh mm. my god! Yeah. That's totally <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have the hat for it. I guess. Yeah. Well, we already have like the first picture oh. of you wearing that wolf skin, like walking through the. the oh, from. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, scaring away with a bear with your big man gun. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I feel like I need to share this story on the podcast because this happens after we, we stopped doing the podcast and this will be great uh, for you as well. Oh yeah. Uh, so we had a, a leadership retreat where we all went to High Lung up in Minnesota, so Ian's territory. Um, and we had a good time, had a few rituals and all this stuff. And so we all had our ritual clothes on, which for Ian was blue jeans and a wolf pelt around his, uh, his shoulder. 
And uh, sure enough, we actually attracted the attention of a bear, which, you know, from a spiritual perspective was pretty cool. But from a yes. logistical perspective, we were like, this is, might be a little dangerous. So yeah. <laughs> like, because uh, this thing was like rummaging around very closely. And sure yeah, enough, we're, cars. And we're idiots. And we look straight up left the bottom floor window, like open wide to all of our stuff in the house. And I'm just like, why are we dumb? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I, I went around, I closed all the windows. And then we were like, uh, maybe we should scare this away because it's getting kind of late. So we were like, Ian, you got your gun, right? And he was like, yeah. So he went and grabbed it. And he just walks out in the field and just like fires it off. And then as he's walking back, you know, he's got no shirt on. He's got a wolf pellet over one shoulder. <laughs> he's got a gun as he's just walking out of this field. <laughs> The, the modern Uthaydnar. Right? <laughs> his, his fucking blue jeans and I don't know what these shoes he's wearing. But. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that, too, because I know you were like, you, you saw it and yeah, yeah, you wanted to take a photo of it because you were like, go back and walk back. And, like, just, and so I was like, okay, let me be a little bit more animated with it and a little bit more eccentric with it. So I had this stupid like strut that I did. And the photo that you took ultimately at one point became the uh screensaver for my girlfriend's phone for a while well she's so. welcome damn it's so blurry <laughs> oh, is it loading oh well oh, it's good at it oh yeah yeah there we go oh it, it crisped up a little bit look at that man <laughs> before it crisped up it looked like his mouth was like over here like weirdly like a cartoon <laughs> his mouth glitched uh, and yep. then uh, we won't go into too much detail but then Blade made you a grinder account and you got a lot of hits anyways yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, leave it to Blade so Dude, I, that account was active there. for literally five minutes and I think he had like ten messages or something like that oh shit Ooh, wow. <laughs> at like midnight too there was a bunch of lonely Minnesota boys that saw I that mean, uh, well, that that I, pop up. They was yeah. for it. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. With that, did you energy. ever get uh, get asked uh, from a real person outside of the internet about that picture? If so many pe people saw it. No, luckily not really many because I don't even yeah. think we put it on Instagram and or anything now. like that. Until <laughs> now, until yeah. now, it's all Boys and girls, <laughs> if you want to know more about Ian. Please email, uh, message him at Pagan of the Lakes underscores between the words and let him know how sexy and hairy you thought he looked in that picture. This <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm a good thing this isn't out yet because I was like, look at my phone, like expecting it to blow. It's, like, yeah, it's live. not live. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now it is Anyways. funny, like yeah, we're kind of like, uh, <laughs> like another to tangent on that. Just regarding the bear, I I wondered if that was the same. I've I wish I, we had actually seen it a little bit better because I'm wondering if it was the same bear because the the land that I owned it was not very far from that property where we were at. So I wonder if it's the same bear that I caught on footage um, strutting around my property out that way. Because they have a pretty big territory that they will wander around. Got to go out and ask it. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but I'll just assume that it is. <laughs> Anyways, let's pull it back. <laughs> uh, what, other, what other questions do you have um, while we're still on the topic of Estonian? Oh, I had one. Um, do we have any sort of rough estimate of how many of these stones have been like found or are yeah. still being used so <clears throat> um 
there are 1,800 specific like cop mark stones, mm-hmm. right? With the cop marks. But I mean, there are also these other sacrificial stones and they don't have to have any marks. They don't have to have any cops. They don't have to have anything or they can have like snake patterns on them. They can mm-hmm. just have a big hole in the middle. Uh, the, mo- the more important part of these stones is that there's uh, a folk tradition uh, that is known about using them, right? Mm-hmm. So people know which stone is the offering stone because it doesn't like stand out that much. Uh, like a cup mark stone, you can really tell that mm-hmm. it's a cup mark stone. Uh, but I mean, I read a thesis made by a um, guy named Andres Kimber, and he wrote a thesis about this uh, in 2016, I think it was from. And he found, I think, five five or four or somewhere along a handful of uh, <laughs> cup mark stones uh, that had not been registered anywhere hmm. during his research. So he uh, And these are all in Estonia and, as well? Yeah. Yeah, this is in Estonia. Uh, and so there, there are probably so many that they haven't found yet, as well as there are so many that has probably been destroyed, mm. uh, which there are also accounts of. I mean, that's still a decent number, though, of, of known ones, because I know like a lot of the times with with things like that, I mean, like take like just standard standing stones. I mean, there's mm. probably like countless amounts of those that would just be a daunting task to try to count all of them compared to, you know, yeah. like at least it's well, a I think it's like uh, somewhere in uh, it's like the 10,000 different uh, like megalithic sites in the UK alone. Yeah, that's... Uh, with with multiple thousands more across the western coast of Europe, it, it's insane. Yeah, there's a at oh, least that's yeah. a nice smaller number to manage. But yeah, I'm sure there's yeah, like you said, there's probably a lot more that have been undocumented and obviously yeah, destroyed, unfortunately. Yeah, and um, as as a Swedish person, I mean, here they haven't even counted. They haven't bothered because there's so many cop marks. So they they are just like there's a, we know that this is the most. Uh, used petroglyph and that we will leave it at that no one will count those. <laughs> <laughs> no one's business to count all of those right uh, so I, I am curious uh, are all the cup marks the same size or do they vary in size they can vary in size but more or less they are the same size mm. so because i'm wondering if like you know if they're just using rudimentary tools like you know a rock just like beating into it that's not going to create the same size each time so they had to have almost like a specific so, tool they use to do this i would assume yeah yeah and this is so interesting because in um in estonia they haven't found tools right but they have uh, tried different methods and so on with different uh, type of uh, rocks that they hit with um different minerals and so on yeah and uh, in sweden they have found tools um but i mean they're more or less the same so they have kind of you know cross-referenced and tried different things and based upon uh cup marks in sweden how they have been made because they're so similar in size um but it's really fascinating because there is clearly a norm like because they are not this big like they are around like most of them are, and they are not like that uh, different in depth either. Hmm. So it's very, it's very clearly that there's a norm to these things. So yeah. it's a very structured type of thing we're dealing with here. Well, Almost think- like there was like a, a standard blueprint for it. Yeah, exactly. Which makes it fascinating because, uh, um, I mean, in, in Estonia, even though Estonia is not that big of a country, it's around 1 million people, I think. Uh, but 
I mean, there is uh, a big spread of these um, stones and out on the islands and so on. So people who have never met each other have clearly made these things according to the same um, tradition. How far, uh, how widespread are they past Estonia? Like, do they go all the way across the Baltic countries? No, uh, they have like, I think uh, in Latvia or Lithuania, they have like, there was one in one of those countries, there was like five. <laughs> and in the <laughs> other, there was like 50 maybe. And uh, in I know that in like uh, Karelia and around there, they have them. And there are a couple in uh, Russia somewhere there. Uh, Russia is so big. So I'm trying to right, find yeah. with my hands on the map here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so they, but in Southern Estonia, which is also fascinating in Southern, the more South you come in Estonia, the more in between it becomes in the mm. Cupmark stones. And instead there are axes found. So this uh, could mean that there is a different tradition coming uh, in the southern of Estonia, where the axes are replacing whatever meaning the Copmark stones have. Hmm. Yeah, uh, this is really fascinating to me uh, because in my journeys now, obviously, I can't account for every stone circle and monument for all of the UK, but I didn't see them until Scotland. And so it seems like they are concentrated in like the northern part of, of Europe, uh, which is interesting because that's the northern part of Scotland and then obviously into Sweden and into Norway. So I wonder why it's associated with these these northern cultures, which I mean, obviously means they had to have some kind of cultural connection if you had people in Scotland doing them and people in Sweden and in Estonia doing them. Yes, and there is a connection there. Um, where I'm from in Sweden, we have these big passage graves, like these big megalithic graves from the Stone Age. And the the same ones can be found in Scotland. Is that are those dolmens? So they, yeah, they're kind of like dolmens. Okay, kind of yeah. like <laughs> there's a little bit different like structure to them. Um, but uh, they're pretty much the same. Like both of them are big megalithic grave structures. Yep. But uh, there are like equivalents of the Swedish one in Scotland or vice versa. So that's really, so people believe that it is the same culture that has moved or that has inspired each other, which is very interesting. I mean, we're talking stone age here. So yeah. Is there any theory as far as like where they originated from as far as like what, which area basically birthed this idea? I think the oldest passage graves, um, are found in Portugal, if I'm not completely off about that. It might be Portugal, because I know they have them there as well, and they have really, really old ones. Oh, okay, interesting. I should fact check myself a little bit, because now I'm out <laughs> on the south of the Scandinavian border here. <laughs> so, well, I know um, one of the people we had to come to our, our, our Dutch gathering uh, is studying uh, I, I always get them confused. I think, is it megalithic or Neolithic monuments? What I think it's Neolithic. Neolithic is, is focuses more around ancient, where megalithic is like massive structures uh, in a nutshell. Anyways, old monuments of stone. So I don't misquote myself here. Uh, but specifically, she's studying <laughs> ones. Uh, am I frozen? Did I freeze? Because you guys froze. I'm back. Anyways. Yeah. Well, anyways. You're I'm, fine. Uh-oh, everything's still frozen. 
You're nothing. That's the Scottish internet. (laughs) No, Scotland, don't fail me. Please, no. I don't want to edit. You're good now, I think. Oh, it's so hard to edit, especially when I add all the fancy graphics. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, she's studying the, uh, like, stone monuments in like southern Italy which I guess are still similar to the ones up in Scotland so it seems like they kind of migrated around the Mediterranean and then like up and over which is a very strange migration pattern I feel like yeah yeah it is and uh, they have found now uh, thanks to testing that the bronze in Sweden uh, they have been able to test different levels of what is in the bronze, basically. And they have found that this bronze that is found in Sweden and the, that is being crafted in Sweden has come from mines in Spain. Whoa. A specific mine they have been able to locate it to, which is also very curious. I wonder if a lot of that has to do with, like, basically when, like, the Roman Empire was as big as it was and moving that far up north. Because I, I feel like they would probably have possession over those mines at that time and then moving upwards this would probably be before the roman empire i imagine well you're right it would be there's there's a lot of evidence that shows that the ancient world was much more connected and they had a much bigger trade network than you know the academic community wants to or has like accepted because like uh like utsi the ice man I think where he died was like very northern Italy, or maybe it was Switzerland. I know it was the Alps. I'm not exactly 100% sure. His, um, if I'm not mistaken, like the copper from his axe was like from very southern Italy. So, like at the very bottom of that uh, country. And then there's other things to, to show, like, uh, I mean, one of, the, one of the things, if I'm not mistaken, was like that the, like the ancient Romans, they were found like coins of some kind of like Chinese coins or something from like Far East, if I'm not mm. mistaken, which that I can't. That's I'm trying to remember. So it may not exactly been ancient Rome. It may have been more a little bit closer to the height uh, of Roman. You know, like yeah, yeah, like right before the fall, something like that. Um, but there's a lot to show that the you know the ancient world was much more connected than you know we uh, we yeah. give it credit for or have yes, recently. Absolutely, you know? and the new tests, like the new uh, science that has come into archaeology lately, it is absolutely insane. So that will help us a lot. I believe. Well, even like what you're saying with like, you know, the cataloging of, uh, of cup mark stones, you know, there just hasn't been work done in certain areas and research and things like that. Uh, and I guess that's something I didn't realize as an American, you know, coming from a place with uh, very few, you know, ancient sites, you know, there are some, but they're, you know, always, you know, Native American. Uh, and then they haven't been categorized either. You know, mm-hmm. I've been to places that clearly have burial mounds, but there's no signs, there's no research, there's nothing there. And I, I find it's better in Europe, but it's still not complete. Uh, you know, there's places that you find that have had little to no research done on them, and yet they are very clearly ancient sites. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like in, in Sweden, we have the oldest ancient, uh, like ancient preservation laws in all of Europe. So here it was, we were very early on the ball to like keep stuff and like preserve them and so on. But I have heard um, from friends of mine within this field that in Southern Europe, it is not as structured maybe. Oh yeah. When I was in Greece, they were telling me how often they throw away artifacts. 
Like they literally just pound them up to dust because they're like, we have too many. So we're just going to throw them away. Are you eating Jaffa cakes? Uh, It's just a biscuit. What is that? (laughs) It looks like a cookie. It looks like a Jaffa cake. It's a biscuit, mate. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I'm gonna, uh, God, I can't wait for the comments to that. What? I, I'm just a mimic Harry here. I got some produce for Freya. <laughs> well, you're very lucky because um, something that we have noticed, I'm learning Estonian right now, right? And Renat is learning Swedish. And once we have noticed that very common words are very offensive in the other language. So our word for cookie means poo in their language, <laughs> which is wonderful because those two things you really want to mix. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah. I feel like that's like somebody a, like, a long time ago did not like the cookies. <laughs> yeah, like, these right. Are <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in Estonia, what to Sweden, they're like, yeah, poo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's, so That's funny. Um, oh. I'm curious about something just before we, I guess we move on. Well, I guess it would be moving on. I don't know. The, um, have you found anything else? Um, it's like not the, aside from like the, the, uh, the cuphead stones that like correlate between like, uh, I guess petroglyphs or something like that between like Scandinavia and uh, Estonia. If you, if there's anything <clears throat> that connects them further. Well, I mean, um, Estonia actually, this is much uh, more recent, but Estonia actually used to be, so to say, a county of Sweden uh, during the 1600s. So we have a lot of shared history. And even before that, um, there was, uh, during the Vendel era, which is pre-Viking age, um, there they have been finds of big boat graves that are clearly Scandinavian. They have done DNA testing and so on on it. Uh, so they could narrow down specifically where these uh, individuals in the boat graves in Estonia came from, and they co- came from Sweden. And um, so there are connections between Estonia and Sweden or, or Scandinavia in general, like all the time. Um, and there are references here and there where you, you you see similarities in the culture. The first time I went to Estonia, it, it felt so funny because it is actually like, um, you know, that feeling you have in a dream where you dream something really realistic, but you know, something is like quite quirky, something is off. So you can kind of tell like, ah, I don't know. And that was how I felt going to Estonia for the first time. It's like, it's like home, but ah, there's like something, I can't put my finger on it, something that is like a bit different. So that that is the feeling I get reading about uh, their history and culture and so on. It's very... There are correlations everywhere. Well, I under, from what I understand of, uh, of modern Estonian culture, or at least political relations, is they associate more with the Scandinavian countries than they do the Baltic countries, typically. Yes, they do. Uh, they even they don't have a Baltic language. They have a Finno-Ugric mm. language, like the Finns in Finland. Which makes it uh, what one of the, like the one of the hardest the languages hardest. to learn yeah. in the world, or something mm. like that. Yes, it's not. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I think it's like uh, really like Chinese and, and Estonian are listed as like the hardest languages to learn. I am just thankful they have the same alphabet, kinda. It's similar kinda. enough that you can kind of associate it. Yeah. 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 
I don't have to learn a complete, I don't have to learn like Greek or anything where I have to relearn everything in my head oh, to be able to write. Um, so again, we're, we're going back to the imaginary map we've been drawing here, especially to our, our listeners who aren't uh, watching this. Uh, but does, how far north do the cup stones, uh, cup marks go to? Like, do they go uh, up into Finland and even up into like, you know, what is known like the Sami territory? So this is very uh, peculiar. Uh, the Kopmar stones, they do not go that far up in the north. Uh, they are, um, there is a limit on the map, exactly where on the map I can't point out right now because I don't have it in front <laughs> of me. Uh, but there, there are Kopmar stones in um, the, the south of Finland, so to say, not the upper part. And it's the same in uh, Sweden. There's not Kopmar stones up north. There is one a cup mark stone on a Norwegian island uh, that is above all of our, our country's borders up in the sea somewhere. But uh, that is one. Uh, so it, there is a pattern of them uh, not going up where uh, people have been hunting, you know, because it, it's so cold in the north and especially back then uh, you would survive on hunting and so on, hunting, herding and so on, while in the southern parts you could grow crops and so on and have fields. Hmm. I wonder so, if that's again, the dividing line between the hunter gatherers and the, and the people who are farming um, is where the line ends. You know, as soon as you get up into the hunter gathering territory, then they don't exist anymore, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That is the, that is the pattern that uh, the experts have been seeing, the archeologists and so on have been seeing. Um, I guess I was and curious. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, <laughs> I was just, I was that, that kind of does make sense. So kind of like with the theory of that, these stones were primarily or that, or that theory that they were used around like the fertility aspect of it. Cause yeah, you're not necessarily going to be concentrating on the fertility, like you're having a fruitful harvest and crop. If you're more up North trying to hunt where you can't really grow anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very hard to grow anything up there. Like, yeah. Even today, it's very hard. <laughs> well, yeah, I forest mean, up there. Literally, like in Canada and the United States, you know, which is further south, uh, technically, than uh, Scandinavia, um, it, like there's a, you know, a certain line that nothing grows because it's permafrosted. I imagine mm -hmm. it's very similar mm -hmm. up there. And I imagine the amount of people is uh, very low past that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's, it's funny to think about that, though, because you mentioned that it's like even here in Minnesota, we're technically more southern than you know, the Scandinavian countries yet. It's Literally here. all of the United States is more Southern than Europe. Well, okay. Yeah. Part, yeah. But I'm just, yeah, it's, but it, listen, I know that, but. <laughs> At least you're not Blade and I'm like, it's like, hey, Blade, where's Sweden? Sweden? Yeah. <laughs> so we got to call out Blade here, uh, our, our good friend, because, you know, he's a, he's a Norse pagan. He worships the Norse gods. Uh, and then one day I was, I forget what brought it up. We were playing games. Uh, yeah, I what we were talking about. And like, I said though. something about Sweden, and he's like, I don't even know where that is. I'm like, you're a Norse pagan. How do you not know where Sweden is? And he's like, I don't know. I've just never looked it up. But I was like, Blade, you need to know where Sweden is. <laughs> <laughs> and so I harass him all the time. I'll just text him and be like, hey, Blade, where's Sweden? And then I'll send him like a link to like the Swedish Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> 
he is very aware of where Sweden is now. So I got your back. It's through it's through bullying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, through excessive bullying <laughs> for proper reasons. I, oh, I, I think goodness. I literally had like a like a, a brain aneurysm as I was like, Blade, you are a Norse pagan. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the world does that come from? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. no, the, the, the point that I was the kind of like just interesting, like little tidbit, I guess, of fun facts of like it, it's interesting that it's so difficult to grow things once you get up more into like northern Scandinavian, uh, northern Scandinavia in general, because like here, just in general in Minnesota, on a, during our winters, like right now, it is colder, far colder and harsher than most places on the planet right now, like especially like Scandinavia, which is something that's really interesting because then we do have, you know, we can grow crops very much so during like the warmer months so it's kind of weird that we don't have like it's just an interesting like i think it, the, the biggest be... difference is how warm it and how long it stays warm mm, uh, because true. you know it doesn't matter how cold it gets it matters is it warm up enough to dethaw the ground because the permafrost is basically just a permanent layer of ice well, yeah. under the soil and so if that never melts that's you know ultimately what causes the lack of crops to grow that's fair that's a good point. yeah now the big question explains for... very much why we have so many oh sorry oh no this is this is a very large question so what does this all have to do with ikea do the swedish meatballs come from the cut marks <laughs> <laughs> they are the same size don't lie to me the swedish meatballs are the same size as the cut marks i know what's going on here so uh, I am I am not allowed by the Swedish king to talk publicly about this, and we will have to delete this episode now. <laughs> I knew I was onto something. But <laughs> you you cannot deny they are the same size. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so okay. I will, not, so, I will not confirm or deny anything. <laughs> Breaking the code. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I only thought that because I forgot. Uh, like I was like picking up this picture, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like almost everything and every Airbnb I ever stay in when I travel is always from IKEA. Like I live in an IKEA catalog like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> have uh, Have you guys seen that meme? The um, the show me the real Swedish Empire meme. Mm -mm. Uh -uh. So there's uh, there's this um, meme where it's like I want to see the Swedish Empire, and then it's like you know how it looks today. No, I mean the real Swedish Empire, and then it's like during our biggest, like how big our map has ever been during the 1600s. It's like no, I want to see the real Swedish Empire, and then it's just a map of where IKEA is in the world. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> People go nuts for IKEA in the states, especially. Like, oh yeah, there's a there's a massive one in Minneapolis, only a few hours from me. Like, and it's huge. You drive by it, it's just this big IKEA on this massive building. It's like, oh my god. You know what? I've never been to an IKEA abroad. I would love to. I would I love to. That different. I've never IKEA. been to an IKEA in general. What? <laughs> oh, Caleb, down. They don't have them down here. Caleb, you as far as I know. Me. <laughs> no, it is I think worth I've it. Seen, like, it's, I think I've fun. seen it off the interstate or something like that, like when I'm driving up north, but I don't think I've ever seen one down here. It is the most attractive, mediocre furniture you'll ever own. Yes. Like, With very funny names. Oh, yeah. It did. Oh, it's a Huskerberken. Oh, that's like a <laughs> <laughs> 
it's so good. Yeah. I feel like yeah, I actually said about any Swedish other there, questions but... about Swedish society. I'm an expert. Uh, this will be a good moment to plug. So, uh, you, uh, Aline, 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 yeah, Aline. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on, Jake. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I just get, I, I start sweating and I get nervous. Um, it's funny. She was my contact for uh, my second book, A Midsummer Tale. I wanted to interview an actual Swede, and since she speaks for all Swedes out there, uh, she gave me a lot <laughs> of information and help in writing the second book here, at least the uh, the information for it. So I've written chapter one. It's coming together. I got some fun Swedish stuff hidden within. Uh, so yeah, it should be a lot more in depth than a Yule story, and obviously it's my second book. So look for that here uh, around midsummer. So really looking forward to it. Um, and so with that, I think this would be a good transition into Swedish stuff in general. Um, so what has been your experience uh, with, you know, the pagan elements, the, the mythology elements uh, growing up in Sweden? Because, uh, you know, it's a little bit more ingrained in society, I imagine. Yes. Oh, wow. So this, <laughs> this is something that I have been thinking about um, as a Swedish person and seeing uh, this growing uh, movement of like, for example, Norse paganism and so on, an interest in Viking cult, like uh, Iron Age Scandinavia and so on, um, especially during the, you know, the Vikings TV show when that came oh, around. I've never, I've never heard of that show. Uh, no, 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 me no, no, neither. No, no, yeah. it, but no, 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 I've never heard of it. No, I don't know. <laughs> 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 um, anyway, um, it was so interesting uh, as a Swedish person to see this uh, huge interest all of a sudden, right? And... Um, Growing up here, like there is not a city without the Odin Gatan, like Odin Street. There is not a city without anything, like there are restaurants named Breda Blick, there's uh, Torslunda, like there's names, there's, it is so everywhere that you become blind to it. There are kindergartens named after Urd, there are like, there are so, it is so everywhere that you become kind of blind to it and uh, you learn about it from such a young age. I mean, it's, it's the part of the culture. And I mean, even we have small kids running around being named Odin and Thor, and there's nothing weird with it. Right. Um, and so it's, it's, it's super common, super normal here. So uh, to understand that that is somewhat special, you know, from an outside perspective, it was really cool to see. So, I mean, I've been, uh, ever since I <laughs> was born, I guess, have been like, you know, fed with this, uh, these tales and it's, uh, there's kids shows, there's books, there's like everywhere in school, there are runestones in the backyards of some people, some lucky people God, out there jealous. actually have runestones in their backyards. <laughs> it is absolutely so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you yeah. know, oh, go ahead, Ian. I was gonna say, it, it kind of like I've I've kind of brought this up a long time ago on one of our earlier episodes of it's you know not nowhere near on par with like what you were saying, but a lot of people in that live in Minnesota have come from you know are of Norwegian Swedish descent, and so yeah, there's a lot of that kind of stuff just hidden throughout as well that I've kind of you know not like I said on the same level as you know what you're experiencing, but I mean there's there's plenty of places that have little hidden things that now being more in depth within the practice and everything. Yeah, I after have, living in the desert. 
Yeah, and after listening, <laughs> yeah, in Florida, and then a desert, and then a desert, yeah, for <laughs> ten years. You know, coming back home, it was it was crazy to start to really pick that stuff out. I mean, there's a guy, uh, I don't know, a family basically who has here in the town that I live in that have a massive wooden carved, basically a a Scandinavian individual or Viking, for lack of better terms. Uh, like statue that is in their front yard and it's basically like uh, an individual sitting on like a stump but then like the background of it is a long ship and there's there's ravens on it and all sorts of just like very intricate stuff and so it's very it was yeah on like a, like I said a very smaller scale uh, level of that yeah I, I can understand that like it's very interesting to see kind of like how some of that well, stuff of course you have like the young over as well well yeah yeah we have that where we have a replica stave church and a longship that sailed from here to Norway. Super yeah. cool. Most yeah. of the Swedes though are down in Wisconsin. We're mostly Norwegian up in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious to, yeah. to actually get to Sweden and see how much it actually looks like Wisconsin. From what I've seen, Wisconsin actually is very similar to the landscape of Sweden based on like pictures. It's funny stuff. how that's it's funny how like how that's kind of how it it's 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 been like my girlfriend has been to Norway and she said like a lot of the stuff around here so far from what she's seen, obviously it's very much winter right now. So there's not too much to see. It is reminds her of parts of Norway that she has visited minus like the fjords, fjords and stuff yeah. like that. Cause we're, yeah, cause we're so landlocked, but some of the more mainland is central part of Norway. It's relatively similar. How much do the Norwegians hold fjords over here. the Swedes? Oh. oh, we, we don't, we, we don't, we don't need the fjords. We have so old oaks over here. We don't care about the fjords. We're super jealous, obviously. But I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> we don't need your fjords, but we want your fjords. <laughs> and now they have now they have the audacity to have the oldest runestone in the world as well. How dare! They? <laughs> uh, did they steal that from Sweden? I mean, I I I, I bet they didn't. They probably did. <laughs> I wish they did. And I have evidence of it. Well, the, uh, you guys have Uppsala, so you'll be all right. Yeah, we have Uppsala. It's, it's, I just did like the, another like off tangent. I did, so I've done like the ancestry.com like DNA thing, and I just did the 23andMe version of it, which is, goes, I think, in a little bit more in depth. And primarily, I very much come from Scandinavian, like, you know, ancestry. And, it broke it down even more into like the regions and this bit of Swedish ancestry that I have, it has like, it says like the Uppsala like region in there, which I thought was pretty interesting when I saw that. I was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. I wish really, I wish that I could, cause I've seen people do this DNA test, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone is so excited about that. And it's so cool. I love it. But I realized as well, if I do it, I, I already know, like I, there's no magical, uh, you know, discovery. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm eighty percent Swedish. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it, it it is so cool, and I wish I could have that experience as well. But, well, maybe I can do it anyway. 
That's say, actually one of the I, most uh, common questions I get from people I talk to here uh, that, you know, obviously I'm American. Uh, and it's like the first question they ask me, they're like, oh, so did you do like a like a DNA test? And is that why you're here? Because like they just assume I'm here because I wanted to connect to my Scottish roots. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, I never did one. But I'm like, but clearly there is some part of me that is from here. <laughs> well, do you know? This is kind of in the topic. It, there is a Swedish like reality TV show where people from America, I think it maybe it's both Canada and the United States, but like they come uh, to Sweden because they have found out they have Swedish heritage and Swedish relatives that moved over there. Uh, so they are actually in this contest this in Sweden where they do Swedish stuff, right? Swedish traditional stuff. And they actually, the more contests they win the more they get to know about their uh, heritage and their personal story like mm. their family stories and um, the winner actually gets to meet all of the relatives that they have tracked down of this person so all yeah. of the living relatives they get to go on a big party or like and meet everyone so That's it cool. is basically... i need to know the name of the show so that i can totally not throw my name into it <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, um... <laughs> I will give it to you. Yes. I know I'm going back just a little bit, but the uh, I wasn't surprised at all to hear that like you said there's a high number of like Swedes in Wisconsin and like specifically Green Bay because Mm -hmm. I know that like Niels grew up in Sweden and, and, and that man loves cheese. So I'm not surprised to hear that, you know, cheese land in America is full of Swedes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they rhyme cheese and Swedes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I've been in Europe for a while now. Everyone here loves cheese. They all think that they're like unique for it, but every country here, they're just like, Oh, we have the best. cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um, always about the sausage and the cheese. Yeah, like every country, sausage and cheese. And they again, they all think they're yep. the bee's knees for it. Okay, I need to call out. I'm going to call out Holland here real quick because I was talking about this. Uh, so Kuhn, uh, Claire's uh, boyfriend, was very excited. He was like, oh, hey, little Jacob, I'm going to make you Wintel Tafius tomorrow for breakfast. And I was like, oh, Wintel Tafius, that sounds really funny. Uh, and that's if you've watched the Dutch Gathering video, Wintel Tafius means spinning bitches in English. Um, and so it's a funny word, but you know, he was all hyped. Like, you know, it was like his family recipe for these Wintel Tafias that was going to blow my mind. I wake up and all this dude is doing is taking slices of bread and putting it in egg and cinnamon batter and, uh, and putting it on a griddle. French toast. He's making French yeah. toast and he acts yeah. like it is the most unique thing in the universe. I'm like, dude, that's French toast. Why do you think I've never yeah. had French toast before? He's like, no, it's Wintel Tafius. I'm like, it's French toast. Completely <laughs> oh, different. That's so funny. Oh my God. I'm having flashbacks when I make gravy and you call it a bowl full of snot. <laughs> <laughs> so Jacob's a food snob, ladies and gentlemen. Jacob's yeah, a yeah. food snob. I just get more pretentious the more countries I visit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I can't go to France. I'll be too powerful. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, so I did want to uh, give you time because we're actually closing in, in the final 10 minutes here uh, because you have to do your PSA on uh, the stone carvings and the rock carvings of Sweden. Okay. Petroglyphs. So <clears throat> I, um, am, uh, I am the creator of a movement, right? So this move movement is called Don't Walk on the Petroglyphs. 
uh, specifically because I saw with the rise of social media that there were more and more influencers that put up pictures where they were walking on this 900 million year old stones um, that are already withering away with these very delicate carvings. Uh, so um, I made it my business to uh, contact the government <laughs> and I actually nagged them uh, enough. So now when you go to Taunum World Heritage, where there is this huge petroglyphs everywhere, they have put up signs by every rock that you're not supposed to walk on it. So that's a, that's a win. And I wholeheartedly believe that you should not walk on the petroglyphs. Don't do it. Never. Never do it. So, yeah, that's, that's my PSA. Don't step on stone. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really, I mean, that's a really good point. Cause I mean, how many, you know, artifacts and things like that have we probably lost or become so worn down because of, oh, I need to get my phone. Well, I think because again, like um, I said, like, as far as like the, uh, the categorization of stuff, you know, there's so many things that haven't been categorized because no one's taking the time to do it. The same thing with preservation. You know, I've seen mm -hmm. runestones literally existing in a glass case. I've also seen them on the side of a road, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And so it's like it's so varying on the level of care for, you know, these ancient things. Uh, the same with like uh, uh, picture things like, uh, you know, here in yeah. Scotland is like the picture stuff doesn't get as much attention as it should because uh, and I'm having a video come out this, uh, this week about it for all the audience out there. Um, so <laughs> like if you look up the ancient history of Scotland, like, you know, one of the first things you'll see is Wikipedia. Uh, and the first thing that pops up the start of religious heritage it says scotland converted to christianity in you know 650 and it's like that's where it starts the religious history and so it completely skips over anything that came before uh and that's pretty common i find uh in this area is it seems like that gets forgotten about a lot and so like mm -hmm. the, the, a lot of the pictish symbols uh like one of them was a, a pictish boar on fort denad uh in kilmartin glen is literally just exposed in the elements in the rain and like yeah just you can just walk all over it like nothing there uh and it's it's almost completely gone uh but if someone would have taken the you know the notion to be like hey maybe we should do something to help preserve it you know it could have happened to 15 years ago just no one's done that yeah maybe part of the yeah. thing in like great britain is like they think that they've got so many of them that they can't they can't or they should they don't have to take care of them maybe because you said there's something like ten thousand. yeah they're everywhere yeah there's literally one um, two miles away from me. Like the oldest, uh, one of the oldest uh, rock cairns in Scotland is two miles down the road from me on the side of a road. Damn. And it's like not, a, a plaque. <laughs> and like, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with the, with it that they shouldn't take care of myself. I think that they should. Cause I mean, hell you've got, you've got all this ancient history. And I mean, we don't, it's hard to say like how much stuff here in the States, like we lost because either people got rid of it or, you know, it, it, it already withered away before, you know, anybody thought to do anything with it. I think a lot of it comes uh, down to cost as well. Um, is it, it costs money to preserve things and, yeah. you know, depending on how many things you have, it's like, you know, you're not going to put all of your runestones in glass boxes because you have 4,000 runestones or whatever. Um, <laughs> so that's a lot of money and time and resources to maintain that. And I think that's the problem with Greece is since the economy is not good, you know, they're going to not put money towards, uh, you know, preserving ancient history because that's not something that improves their economy necessarily. It's not something that improves the military. Uh, so that's going to be at the bottom of the list. And when literally every inch of your cities are covered in ancient history and you need to build something, you're not going to spend the extra money to preserve things. Yeah, yeah, it is always a constant um, within culture, 
cultural heritage, it is always the, uh, the weighing of what does society need now and what do we want to preserve? Well, like mm. what is unique enough to preserve? And as, as the you know, cultural heritage person myself, I would want to preserve everything. But of course, like it is not realistic either when you're drowning in all of this ancient stuff, right? So it, it is it is horrible, but sometimes <laughs> it is also necessary. But the, the things you do have, you should like take care of. Like if you have made a commitment, for example, a museum or a government has taken the commitment to take care of something, uh, as as in the case with the uh, petroglyphs at Tarnum, I mean, they have taken a commitment to expose these uh, petroglyphs because they were covered in moss from the beginning. They've exposed them. They have lined up, uh, you know, so you can walk around them and so on. They put up signs and so And therefore, it's also like, well, now you have to commit to actually that people don't walk on them because not everyone knows that, obviously, yeah. because there are people coming from all around the world where there are no petroglyphs, maybe. So... Do you think, think it, it has helped putting up the signs? Yeah, I think so. And they are not like in a, in a language. They are literally like an image. Foot, surface, no. <laughs> Very <laughs> universal. I like it. Yeah, that's good. You have no reason not to understand this. Yeah. Unless you're blind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think when, when you have taken that commitment, you should go all the way with it. Absolutely. So... You've done so well on the not swearing thing for making it seem like such a big issue before right? we recorded. Dude, I was thinking the same thing like five minutes ago. I was honestly wondering if she had been cussing the whole time and I just Yeah, it like out. it was just going by. <laughs> yeah. I oh my brain is fried by now. I am like Oh yeah, you're just trying not to. Like, it, it's the yeah. end now. Like if you could just let it out. Yeah. <laughs> How many times can she say fuck before we end the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Don't exactly. walk on the fucking petroglyphs. Yeah, put, put your fucking foot on there. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about like, you know, like I'm trying to figure out if this should bug me. I feel like it should. But like when I was in the, because again, the level of care of rune stones and, and stone circles and everything like that is always different. Uh, obviously, Stonehenge gets a lot of attention in England, so it gets a lot more care. Uh, the Clava Cairns gets a lot of attention because it's the most popular one in, uh, in in Scotland and it's easy to visit. And there's tour buses literally jumping up loads of tourists in front of it. Um, but there's another one. Uh, it's like the middle of, of England. It's Keswick. Uh, it's the Castle Rig Runestones. Also pretty popular. Big sign, big attraction. Tour buses go to it. But there, when I was there, there was just children climbing all over these stone circles. Like, you know, running around and just, like, clambering with their shoes, like, scraping on the side. Mm. And, like, part of me thinks, okay, like, I don't like this because I, you know, coming in as a pagan, I'm like, I, this is a sacred place to me. But at the same time, you know, if that's just children. They play on things. And did that probably happen in the past with stone circles? Probably. I, I almost guarantee you if there was a market in a stone circle, which is what they think this rune, uh, these stone circles were used for, children would climb on them. So I, I feel very strange about it sometimes. Yeah. But th this is actually so interesting with Estonia. If we go back to Estonia, is uh, that they have specific laws regarding these uh, natural sacred places called hees in Estonian. Uh, I think they are called sacred groves mm. in English. Mm. And uh, they have specific laws about these sacred places uh, that are not 
so to say, man-made, like a church, for example, or any building of any sort that is very clearly man-made for rituals of different sorts. Uh, but these his places, they are also very protected by law. You're not like you're not allowed to act, however, around there, and which is also very uh, showing in their folklore. Like if if you are cutting down trees at these places, something very bad will happen to you and your family and everyone you've ever spoken to, basically. <laughs> um, so it's it's very interesting how um, how different like countries deal with these things because i understand like it feels it feels weird seeing uh, people just letting their children climb all over an ancient monument it feels yeah yeah at the same time what can we do <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah. Very well hard. because like you know i'm thinking like again one of the biggest things i want to do when we we purchase land in the states for the nonprofit is to build stone circles and you know how are we going to fill it in you know technically yes the stones are old because they're stones but we just put them up so how do we feel about children climbing on them you know it's going to be an interesting ethical you know dilemma i feel like we have because you know if bella wants to climb on a stone circle are we going to stop her i mean she's probably going to no matter how I think it's like when she gets something like that she's going to she wants to do, she's gonna do everything she can to do it. <laughs> I guess it depends. Like uh, you know, because like one of the things I'm gonna do uh when my grandfather passes, since he's kind of into all this as well, uh, and I even told him this is I'm gonna get a runestone made for him. Uh and like, you oh, know, kind nice. of uh, so like if it was my grandfather's runestone, I'd be like, get the fuck off. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if it's just like, you know, a stone circle we would use for rituals purpose, I feel like I would care a little less, you know. Like I feel yeah, like I would exactly. still sit the kids down and be like, hey, this is a very sacred space and hope that teaches them something. Yeah. Uh, or be like within you know, reason, yeah. Or I'm gonna pull out the the Swedish was it the Nakad that and play some uh play some oh. fiddle on the river or something like that and track the children. <laughs> Drown them. No. I can just see this happening already, though. Not not exactly that part. Like whenever we try to explain like the new pagan and stuff like that, you like you have to, you know, you have to kind of go with what feels right. Like we try to tell it to a child, it feels right to play on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing what I feel like I'm told to do. Well, I guess that's you know, I guess that's where you know, probably where a lot of like the the you know folk folk tales and stuff come from of like you know creatures that you know mythical creatures or like fey creatures that will you know come after you or like you know when jacob's talking about drowning the first thing that i thought of was like kelpies you know like that's probably where a lot of that stuff came from to some degree as well of like these spiritual beings that protect you know these sacred landmarks and 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 you know stones and things like that that i'm sure people were like you know what's the best way to make a child not do something it's probably tell them a scary story about a creature that was gonna like eat them or something like that you know or mm. take them away like some like baba yaga or something like that you know yeah trauma is very efficient <laughs> <laughs> well, you say it like that <laughs> well like uh like i'm trying to think of like one of the stories I was told as a children was just like teaching me not to go into graveyards. You know, it was even like, mm -hmm. I think it was an Appalachian story 
of just like, you know, I think they, it was just bloody bones. Like, oh, if you go in the graveyard, bloody bones is going to get you. You know, <laughs> like, why, why does this story exist? You know, especially in Americana, you know, well, it's probably to teach children not to go in the fucking graveyard. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And potentially yeah, trample on headstones and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you turn 16, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go in the graveyard because I'm a big boy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not scared of bloody bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah bloody bones. I don't know who he is. <laughs> uh, well, with that, we have uh, reached, I think, the hour mark. So, do we have any final questions before we close out? I feel sad. Do, uh, do you have anything new that you're working on that you're planning on working on next? Um. Well. Uh, I am working on reviving my old dusty YouTube in the future uh, to actually talk more. Uh, I, what I do now is that I put up a bunch of stuff on Instagram and like some mm. fast reels on there. Uh, I tried TikTok, didn't work. <laughs> so Stay off I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, I feel I felt very old being on there. So. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, anyone who is not 14 feels old on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went back uh, to, I post like these uh, small reels, a couple of uh, one minute or something where I talk about like different historical sites and so on. And I would want to dust off my old YouTube channel and like start visiting places and showing places and so on, because uh, people really liked, um, even though the quality sucked of my old videos, <laughs> uh, people enjoyed the, the whole thing of traveling to a place, right? And being there because not everyone can travel, like not, not everyone can travel around the world and see these things for uh -huh. real. So that is my next project right now. And then I have a bunch of other, I am always doing 100 things at the same time. I'm weaving belts. I'm researching stuff. I'm at the museum, like collecting stuff in the in the old magazine out there. And, well, yeah, yeah. You've been, uh, you essentially, uh, I mean, I'm really having some educational blogs on the, the Volhir website now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm researching and posting uh, blog posts. Yeah. I'm doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't mentioned that like one time this whole time. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like do you all, do you, I feel like all you would do is weave belts these days. I feel like those take some time. Oh, yes, they take a lot of time. And now I am crazy enough to uh, start with more advanced patterns. So like much wider belts as well. Ooh. So now I will just weave and weave and weave and weave. There will be no end to it. I won't sleep ever. <laughs> Just like learn to <laughs> weave in your sleep. You'll be good to go. Just yeah, yeah. No <laughs> yeah, like so. I am selling my handmade um, folk belts uh, at the Valhir store, and uh, I saw that most of them had sold out by now. And I first I got really excited and happy. Like that's so cool. I've created all of this with my own hands and my time and everything and my designs and so on. And then it hit me like, shit, I have to make new ones. <laughs> and that right there is why I stopped being a painter. <laughs> because I, I like selling a painting and be like, yeah, I sold a painting. Oh, I got to do another one now. <laughs> you get super excited and happy. Like, well, people like what I do, what I created. Yes. And it's like, mm. Yeah, that is why well, I, yeah, I like digital content because a video I made three years ago, someone can still watch now. So. <laughs> yeah, that's very smart. Very smart. But I'm happy for your, your return to YouTube. That'll be exciting. Yeah, that'll be awesome. If you ever need a guest, yeah. I got you. Yeah. 
Also, yeah. I, I'm already planning yeah. to go to Sweden. Let's do some. Let's, yeah. let's collab. Let's go. Yeah, collab. Oh, That's what the YouTubers do. I am not like a YouTuber, so I don't know really, right? So I have to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, can I can I leave a recommendation before we end? Because yeah. I feel like uh, your audience audiences your audience uh, would appreciate a little movie tip, maybe. Oh. Please do. It's in English as well. Oh. So you don't have to read anything. You have to listen only. <laughs> so uh, there is this uh, very cool movie that not many people know about uh, that is named The Baltic Tribes, The Last mm. Pagans of Europe. So write it down. <laughs> uh, the Baltic Tribes. <laughs> it was made in 2018. The director is named. And that is um, a really, really cool and also educational because they have taken inspiration of uh, real events that has happened in like history, historical stuff. And it is about the Crusaders coming to the Baltics and the mm. Livonia around Lithuania and um, uh, Estonia and so on there, uh, spreading Christianity. And uh, since they were the last pagans of Europe, it is about their like how they combat this and so on it's very very it's a such a cool movie it's absolutely beautifully made and i think that the demo like pagan stuff seemed to be your thing right yeah i don't know maybe it's not the listener's cup of tea over here I, I don't know. <laughs> pretty sure the majority of our listeners might be into this yeah, <laughs> yeah so if you want to see like uh something uh a, a little European movie over there. It is in English still. So what's it? What's it on? Is it on like any? Is it on any like the streaming sites or anything? I like that? actually, uh, I believe it might be on YouTube. Actually, the whole movie, oh, if I'm not mistaken. Go. Can anyone fact check me? So I'm not. Uh, lying I'm everything. looking right now. Uh, it is on Tubi that you can watch now for uh, free. It says on my phone. Mindset. Well, I'm on uh, the UK now, but it says I can watch now for free on amazon prime but that's the uk oh, bad which okay. means we can probably get it here. uh yeah it's included on freebie okay so maybe yeah. they have taken it down from youtube but i saw it on youtube okay yeah oh one thing i was going to say about like the swedish culture thing just because uh this is a call out to our american audience uh is is it funny to you that a lot of people really obsess over the name bjorn <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes, it <is. laughs> yes it is um it, out of all of the names Bjorn it's like you know Im imagine um you go out in the world and someone is super like thinking it's a very cool thing to be named John yeah wow mm. wow that's so you know it's it's kind of on that level it's like uh, over here it's very and it also like obviously it is a word over here as well it means bear mm -hmm. yeah um, and it's one of those really old names. It, it's a nice name. Like, don't get me wrong. It's just, yeah, it's a bit strange to hear. <laughs> uh, I think, I, can't, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. I, I doubt I have. I'm not Please sure. Do. Uh, but when I was working at a, a restaurant uh, bar uh, over this last fall uh, to make some extra money, uh, there was a, a cook there and we got to talking because he was originally born in Germany. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, obviously I've been to Germany. He spoke a little German. Uh, and he goes by BJ. And I was like, that's a very strange name. Um, 
And so I asked him one day, I was like, why do you go by BJ? And he's like, well, you know, I was like, it seems like people make fun of that. And he's like, they do. Like, what's your actual name? He's like, oh, my name's Bjorn. Like, legally, this guy's name is Bjorn. Like, a, a thing that is honestly, like, very rare in the States and sounds cool. And yeah. I was like, why did you change from Bjorn to BJ? <laughs> and he's like, oh, people made fun of my my real name because they couldn't pronounce it. I'm like, so you changed it to BJ? Yeah, <laughs> that's... that was not going to get you wow. more made fun of? Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> but it, it sounds like a bit international, a bit cool, you know? Yeah, yeah like... like... Yeah, and he had like a cool ponytail thing going on, like a gray beard. Oh. You know, he had a he had a, he had a look. And then he's like, "I'm BJ." Oh, so he actually <laughs> also he actually looked like a Bjorn as well. Yeah, he looked like he fit uh. the beard. He wasn't like you know like completely the opposite of what you'd expect in a Bjorn. You know, oh, like an office worker or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, all right. So, final Swedish hot take: How do you feel about the uh, the over usage now of the term school? It's very funny, and I will tell you why. <laughs> I okay, will tell you why it's funny. So, um, like, besides the whole, like, in, in Swedish, obviously, it's shears. Like, that's mm. the equivalent of it. Yeah. But it is so funny because in Swedish, it also means, because we have a, a lot of these words that are spelled and pronounced the exact same way, and they mean completely different things. So, in Swedish, it also means bowl, like one of those that you eat cereal from, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and uh, because uh, in in circumstances where you're shearing, obviously you don't think of bowls. But when people use school in other ways, uh, like randomly here and there, which is cool, I don't mind at all. I don't think it's like annoying or whatever. But it's just so funny because in my uh, in my mind, I have this imagery of whenever someone says it, it they lift up like a cereal bowl. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Maybe it has I a sacred meat in the bowl, you know, skull. Right. So, <laughs> so, so, so Every time that, we ended our, our podcast, skull. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so funny. On a t-shirt, can you imagine? That would oh, be wait, so can can we all get bowls real quick? We'll do it. Like, let's go grab some bowls and like yeah, end the podcast yeah, with that. Yeah, really I'm funny. done. I'm done. All right, let's Please. go grab some bowls, guys. Yeah. I don't. Oh god, I don't have a bowl near me. <laughs> I got like what am I casting crucibles because that's the closest like to a ball I have right near. <laughs> that's good enough. Yeah, no, it's it's funny that you say that though because to kind of <laughs> add to it because like for Minnesota specifically, obviously like we have American football here and most states have their own team. For Minnesota, yeah. it is the Vikings because of the oh. Scandinavian heritage. There is and their big thing is skull. Like that is a big thing with all of like their merchandise. There is a individual in the city that I live in that has on their front windshield of their Jeep, it says skull for life. And on their Jeep, because they're obviously a very big Minnesota Vikings fan. And I see it all the time. And whenever I do, I just giggle to myself because they just have it like right there on their vehicle, you know, without yeah. realizing. So, yeah, bowl, bowl for life. Yeah, bowl for life, man. <laughs> well, it also seems like um, it means something different in like Old Norse because in my, uh, when I was doing comparisons to like Old Norse, uh, poetic edda and english poetic edda and the lines that say uh like talking about the runes and the have them all it's like do you know how to write them do you know how to read them do you know mm -hmm. how to spell them all that stuff it translates like it's like fetza hiva rista skull with s-k-a-l 
but it's old yes. Norse. So yes, so uh, this is also a uh, skull uh, is uh, old uh, old Norse for ska in uh, modern Swedish and ska not the music style ska mm. in like uh, it means uh, shell. Hmm. Ah. So skull is uh, it's very similar. It's it it's very very similar, but it is. Um, I I think I would think it is more of a shell. Like who uh, uh, carved them shell in that kind of a way. Ah, okay. Yeah, because it's like Fetzehiva Rista Skal, Fetzehiva Blota Skal, Fetzehiva Fas Skal, Fetzehiva Cinder Skal. Yeah, and in a poetic, like Scandinavian language type of way, that is really, really beautiful. So, like, they've kind of made it fancy and made it a bit. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's actually uh, like if I do anything with like an Odin ritual, that's actually my my uh, my chant for the ritual itself um, is, is saying uh, saying that phrase in Old Norse because it's something that like is repetitive and I can just keep it going, so it helps me get into like a mindset. Yeah, it's a good one. I love that one. It's absolutely beautiful. All right. So before so, before we close out, <laughs> final plugs. Like, where can people find you? Where are you doing stuff? Well, uh, not on YouTube right now. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but uh, I am. Do I say at? Do I have to say at? Nah, at, at yeah, yeah, yeah. I so. That, that's what the kids uh, do. If, okay. <laughs> at Moose Lady with an underscore um, on Instagram is where you can find me, where I am. Uh, posting a lot about Norse and Scandinavian and also sometimes Estonian culture, heritage, history, stuff like that. Do you ever think you'll put your uh, your thesis in English for people to read? I absolutely will. Uh, I have had some brave, honorable people that has actually taken my Swedish thesis uh, and tran Google translated it to read it. It's absolutely crazy. Um, so yeah, I I will publish in English, hundred percent, because I have written uh, both about the boat graves found in Estonia um, that were from Sweden, which is fascinating, and uh, the copper mark stones. And I think that everyone would benefit of the knowledge that are in those. So and since English is the universal language to talk right now, it makes sense. Until Estonian takes over the world and we all speak Estonian. Well. <laughs> I'm not learning. I am not learning this hard ass language without payoff. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's your husband already speaks English? You don't need to learn that Estonian. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> all right. Oh, and they can find you. Uh, you find your belts at fallhere.com. Oh yeah, Valhir.com. Oh my god. Imagine if I'm not plugging him now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you have to okay, uh... yeah. Valhir. Uh, I am also a very active part of Valhir.com. I write blog posts, I weave belts. I um, actually I I am also very much in the background uh, working on ideas and you know, back and forth designing stuff and so on. And you're um, probably his go-to model as well. I am the model. <laughs> That's me yes. with Casey back in the States. I'm like, Casey, I have a shirt. Wear it. Let's go out. Yes. <laughs> it's very good to have a backup model. It's very, very good. Yeah. All right. With that, yeah. thank you, everyone, for joining in and listening in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thank you very much, Elin. Elin. Yeah.
Oh, ooh, ooh, thank you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, after years of talking to each other, I'm, I'm saying your name correctly. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll whisper it uh, as I just like do life. <laughs> <laughs> so people will think that you're like chanting some deity or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm glad we were finally able to do this. Uh, I'm really looking forward yeah. to, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm going to meet you this year. So that's cool. Yeah. That's totally be happening. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to Sweden. Let's, let's say. Yeah. yeah. And thank you so much, everyone, for uh, letting me talk. Because I know I can get carried away. So thank you. <laughs> we got to record we another carried, episode right? after this. So we got to save our voice. You know? yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, so thank you so very much. And to our listeners out there, again, we have changed our name to the Northern Traditions Podcast, away from the Folk Podcast, as we're entering this next chapter of our journey. Uh, again, we're going to be having guests on, but we're also going to just be having conversations like the next episode that will be coming out. Uh, we're also releasing these episodes every single time on YouTube as well. Uh, so if you want to check them out, uh, you want to see our beautiful faces, you want to see the picture of Ian with a wolf pelt over his shoulder as he walks with a gun <laughs> walking out of the forest after he shot a gun in the air to scare away a bear. That's where you check it out. You check it out on YouTube. Uh, and then also we're, you know, we're Caleb, Ian, and myself are part of the Northern uh, Fellowship of Northern Traditions, a group of people bringing back the old ways of Northern Europe uh, to America as well as around the world now. So if you're interested in attending one of our events, please check out our website, www.northerntraditions.org. And with that, we will do an Until the Hall so we can do this joke. So, everyone, thank you so very much. And until the hall. Skull. 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 Oh, I said it early. <laughs> <laughs>